If you don't know, now you know, because you've hit the download button and you've joined us for another edition of Kicking Out at Two this week as we present to you Talk'em Into the Seats, where we discuss the origins, the history of talk shows in professional wrestling history. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. Thank you all once again for joining me this week. My cousin Wild Bill Brown's going to be joining me shortly as we're going to discuss some of his favorite moments, his favorite talk show moments, the early stages and the early beginnings of the talk show format in professional wrestling history the good and the bad we got piper's pit flair for the gold the funeral parlor the barber shop the heartbreak hotel all those shows and so many more we're going to discuss all those talk show moments and how they were integral parts of key storylines within the history of professional wrestling so uh i'm really looking forward to getting down to business when it comes to that but before we do that before we talk you all into the seats Hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Hit that like button. If you haven't hit the like button, then tell a friend to hit the like button. Hit the like button yourself, I should say, because if you haven't hit the like button, you should hit the like button by now. Uh, we got polls up there. Speaking of which, we got a poll up there right now. Uh, we want you to vote on a future watch party episode here on kicking out at two for May 29th. Um, Two, two candidates currently in the poll is the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, NWA World Heavyweight title match from Wrestle War 1989. We're approaching the 30th anniversary of that match, so that's the first choice. And the second choice is WCW Capital Combat 1990, uh, headlined by Ric Flair and Lex Luger inside of a steel cage, as well as a surprise, or should, should I say, and it's not really a surprise, it was actually advertised, unfortunately, uh, an appearance by RoboCop. Um, yeah, I know. I said it. RoboCop appearing at a WCW pay-per-view in 1990. Who would have thought? So, uh, yeah, those are the choices. Go over there on Facebook and Twitter to choose which watch party you want to be a part of on on uh, May the 29th. And the winner of that poll is going to face the winner of next week's poll, which you're going to have to find out on social media. And then we'll determine who's going to be the ultimate watch party winner. And then you guys get to watch that show with us on May 29th on Kicking Out at 2. So uh, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2. Hit the like button. Tell a friend to hit the like button. Vote in the poll on what you want to watch over on uh, you know May the 29th. Either WCW Capital Combat 1990 or the Flair Steamboat third match in their 1989 trilogy from Wrestle War. In May of 1989, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. That polls on Twitter as well, so don't be shy. Give us a follow. Our handles at Kicking Out Two K I C K N O U T and the number two. All the fun we're having on Facebook, we're also having it on Twitter. But 140 characters or less. Don't forget, we are also a part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. You can find Kicking Out of Two, all the backlog archive shows over at Podbean when you search Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. The show is now available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, as well as SoundCloud.com. So head on over there, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You also have Marking Out the Days, Weekend Warriors, which is which is a, a, a spinoff show that I do with Kobe Nida from the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network where we cover WCW Saturday Night and WWF Superstars from 1992 and we compare both shows and see which one was the better show on that particular day. We also have uh, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, The Cool Down with AC, coming soon to a podcast platform near you, The Run-In with BZ Carter and Tito Martinez. 
all those great shows on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can search for that over on Podbean. You can also find Retromania, Retro with a W, over on Facebook as well as on Twitter at Retromania Pod. And with that being said, let's get down to the meat and potatoes. Let's get down to business. Let's talk them into the seats, if you will, without further or do. All right, let's get into it this week. Talk show moments in professional wrestling history. Joining me, an individual who has joined me on a number of occasions. We took a couple of road trips uh, back in the fall last year. Uh, he was a part of the most downloaded show to this date here on Kicking Out at 2 uh, with our SummerSlam 1993 review. My good buddy, my friend, my cousin, Hot Body Wild, Bill Brown. What's going on, man? Perfect introduction. You covered it all. Excellent. <laughs> Five stars on that. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Meltzer. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, this week we're talking some of our, our favorite and most memorable moments of talk shows in professional wrestling. Um, talk to me a little bit about... Well, actually, before I actually have you talk to me about some of your, your, your first memory, your, your early memories of talk shows, um, you know, talk shows in wrestling, it, it really kind of became a thing in the 80s. Uh, when talk shows in media and pop culture were a big thing. You had Sally Jesse Raphael, the Phil Donahue show, Geraldo, Oprah. They were big talk shows that were out there that, you know, addressed things that were going on in today's world, whether it was, you know, instances involving celebrities or just everyday regular people were a part of these talk shows. Um, that kind of format was, was brought to the wrestling world with the wrestling spin on it. Talk to me about your first memories of a talk show in the world of professional wrestling. Well, here we go. Putting me in the age bracket again. <laughs> backing me up in time. I probably witnessed the first talk show that wrestling had, if, if there is any, that you could point at. I was watching WWF back in the day, of course, and about 1982-1983, Rogers Corner one week. Buddy Rogers comes on television with his three corner walls set up in the background, one table in the middle, you know, he's just chilling there. Welcome everybody to Roger's Corner. <laughs> and uh, you know, my guess this week is uh, man and as uh, two minutes, you know, it was time, two, three minutes every week. It was only an hour show. And uh, he had that for a number of uh, weeks and then he got into the thing with Snooker where he became his manager and they started doing some incidents off of it. Rogers Corner was stopped, and then it went to, I think, Victory Corner, if I'm not mistaken. Victor, from Victory Magazine. Victory Magazine. Yep, which and eventually then, would become the WWF Magazine. Exactly, and then it turned into Piper's Pit. But those are the, the ones that I remember. I don't remember too much else going on back then, mm -hmm. except for those those particulars. And then we went wild. And yeah. It just became a staple of every wrestling show, every group. And, it, you know, it's a part... Of wrestling, there's no way to have a wrestling show now without some sort of a moment of bliss in it or something. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. The, the talk show format even you know runs you know to this day as, as we'll 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 discuss the evolution of the 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 talk show concept in wrestling. You mentioned it, Piper's Pit. Let's let's address that elephant in the room um, because that was my first memory of a talk show in wrestling was the was Piper's Pit. Um, People, including yourself and, you know, myself included, will say Piper's Pit was probably the greatest talk show in all of wrestling um, because of, you know, not only just 
some of the controversial moments, but the man himself, Roddy Piper, and what he brought to the um, to to that concept. Uh, talk to me about some of your favorite Piper's Pits moments. Well, there's got to be about two, three hundred pits that are just off the top of your head that you could think of because there were so many editions of it from 1983, maybe 1984 on. And even to the current day, it was carrying over when he was alive. He was still having it on SmackDown every week, live in the ring. He was doing it on the road. He'd go to your hometown and he'd insult the people in the audience and send you back home and then pull out, you know, a guest, Salvatore Balomo, and make fun of him and somebody. It was a lot good segments everywhere. The ones in the garden with Bruno San Martino were live. Mm-hmm. Those were the ones I liked because him on the fly with no script, just reacting to the way things were presented to him in the audience and just coming up with the one-liners, that's what I liked about the pit. Yes, every week he'd do a two, three-minute segment on television for the shows, and he would cover the you know the whoever he had as a guest at their angle or start something between others or have debates. But I, when he went on the road, those are the ones I really started enjoying. Yeah, the, um, I, I believe one of the earlier ones that um, I can remember was when uh, it was after he crashed Uncle Elmer's wedding. And they had Uncle Elmer, Hillbilly Jim, and uh, who was the third one? He cousin was, Luke or Junior? Co- yeah, cousin, I think it was Cousin Junior, yeah. Um, it was on a recent, it was on like the Halloween edition of Saturday Night's Main Event, which we did a watch along, by the way, um, here on Kicking Out It Too. You can check that out in the archives over at SoundCloud.com. Um, yeah, uh, that one I remember because it wasn't as, um, it was in the middle of the ring, so they didn't have like the big backdrop in the set behind you. You just had like the carpet, and I think there was like a couple of benches or a, cha- a couple of chairs in there, um, and you know. Bob Orton was a part of that, and he kind of, you know, they they pulled they they, they pulled, pulled a couple of tricks up their sleeves with, uh, you know, tripping one of the hillbillies, and then the other one went after him, and I think Jesse Ventura was involved in that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the most famous one, of course, was probably the 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 incident with Jimmy Snuka and the coconut, um, which I think probably is the main reason why people would say that Piper's Pit is probably the greatest talk show in all of wrestling. Um, I'll put it out there to you. If if Piper didn't hit Snooker with the coconut and didn't destroy the set, do you still think Piper's Pit would be regarded as the greatest talk show in oh, all of yeah, wrestling? Definitely. I mean, from Andre grabbing him to Frank Williams taking a beating, there was always something that was going to happen on Piper's Pit. Piper's mouth would find a way to get something created. And start, you know, what about when he, uh, he he gave the haircut to the Haiti kid? The Haiti kid. They, yeah. taped, they duct taped him and tied him up. <laughs> there, there's so many different things that Piper is, had done. And, um, you know, in the early parts, the, after a while, it became more of a, a rush job uh, structured thing when he, Adonis came involved and they started feuding and competing. And, mm-hmm. But the olden ones, yes, the, those were, uh, it was going to make its mark no matter whether Snooker went bumbling through the set with that coconut hit and creating probably one of the most magical 1980s feud in wrestling at that time for an undercard. Those matches were uh, pretty serious. Yep. As, a, as a fan, you, you either liked Snuka or you liked Piper, but you wanted to see one get the other one. You know, they were, it was so intense yep. that um, without that Piper's pit, that, that angle would have never gotten over so bad. Snuka was actually out. For a while too, because he uh, he he got in some trouble, <laughs> and just um, a little. They bit. injured him, and so you 
you don't know what's going on. There was no news about what's going on behind the scenes. There was no internet. Piper took a chair and broke his neck in Madison Square Garden. They showed that match on a TV show. And he was out for a while. And when he came back, it was revenge. He had a Tonga kid and every feud carried over a few years. So all from Piper's pit. Yeah, that's crazy. That, 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 that's, that's fascinating to, you know, to, to go back and think about, too, that it all really started like on like a, a wrestling talk show. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, Adonis, adorable Adrian Adonis, would eventually um, kind of take over the, um, the, the the talk show uh, aspect in wrestling when he presented the flower shop. And it was kind of like, it wasn't meant to be a very long-term um, uh, scenario, but it was more or less to, to start the rivalry that he had with Roddy Piper heading into that WrestleMania Um Talk to me a little bit about uh, the flower shop and adorable Adrian Adonis. Well, you wanted to hate Adrian. He was taking over Piper's Pit, which was, for years now, proven to be a complete successful formula for talk shows on wrestling. Uh, Piper did leave a few years, don't forget. Yep. He did retire. Yep. But um, right before this, he, he was on every single week, and he was doing his pit, and it was it was in. It was incredible, but when Adrian came out, they had flowers everywhere. He had Jimmy Hart, became annoying, and the guests would make fun of him, and uh, he was, you know, performing a character that was controversial as well. So that show, you knew it was short term because Piper, I think, was making movies, mm-hmm. and he was gonna, he was out for a little while. So yeah, um, it, was, it was good um, for what it was. Every week, you did want to see the flower shop. I'm not. Nobody changed their channel when the flower shop was on because something would happen. Paul Orndorff would show up, and you know, bash Hulk Hogan. Whatever it would be, there's always some news every time at the third part of the segment of the show when they put on a talk show on a on a um, TV show. Yeah, you know, I, I it was probably the around that time where as a kid. Um, I was fascinated by the appearance of, like, the talk shows with the backdrops and the set. Like, you know, Adonis with the flower shop, and he had the, the flowers hanging and and the the, the fencing. So, you know, just it had, like, that floral shop kind of feel to it. And then Piper just had the simple, you know, the... The, the the backdrop with his pictures and they and they eventually destroyed the set and they destroyed both sets leading to the match. But I was always fascinated with the production quality of those talk shows and like the, just the scene that it would set. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, some of the more memorable um, talk shows from an appearance standpoint and what it looked like cosmetically to you in wrestling. Well. Where it all began is, you know, we, I told you, Rogers Corner had the walls and a chair. But yep. what, what happened when Jesse Ventura wanted to have a, a talk show? The we body had shop. A, yeah, the body shop. We had a weight bench. We had Jesse pumping iron sitting there leaning forward and telling you that you're at the body shop. <laughs> and then, you know, we also, it never made television, but Hyatt's House was a talk show they tried to do, Missy Hyatt. Missy Hyatt, they, yeah, Hyatt's Corner or something like that, Hyatt's right? Hyatt's House. It, it made oh, for Hyatt's one house, taping okay. and, it, and it never... Never made it out there. Never I think the there's some footages out there, but it never made television. Snake Pit. I was uh, I was there first time. Uh, Wrestling Challenge, first ever taping in in Hartford, Connecticut, and Snake Pit was on there. Jake the Snake, and he had this set and the snakes in this little bed in front with a rock and all kinds of uh, wilderness backdrop and everything. So they always, no matter what the scenario was, put something into it. You know, you go modern day, and you had the Jericho 5000 or whatever when he had his the uh, highlight reel. Highlight yeah. reel. Everything has something, no matter where the situation is. Yeah. So every there's always a style. 
Yeah, I like I, I like I said, I'm a big big fan of just like the cosmetically how it looked. Like the snake pit was the the snake pit and the flower like the combination between the flower shop Piper's pit and the snake pit were probably the ones that really came at me and drew me as a kid to the talk show formula in wrestling. Um, when Piper went from changing over when when the rivalry ended or the when the rivalry was beginning with Adonis, he destroys the pi- the the barber shop or the not the barber shop. We'll get into that in a minute. Shop. The flower shop, and then he creates a new pit, which is which had more of like a um it wasn't just like a backdrop with a wall and like pictures of him it would it looked like a like someone's like i don't know inside like, of a castle yeah exactly <laughs> it had this very like medieval kind of feel to it but with like the piper flare with like the, the 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 kilt and things like that um i thought that was very interesting um and then the snake pit as well like where the guys would come out, but they they would come out like from like they would come down steps from behind the rocks to like into the into the snake pit itself. Um, and Jake the Snake, being a very gifted talker, to me as a fan, I'm kind of surprised that the snake pit didn't last as long, you know, longer than it did. Yeah, what too. What do you think was the reasons behind the snake pit? Uh, it was starting to get him over as a face, uh-huh. and I don't think they wanted to do that. And then yeah. he became over as a face, and they had to do it, and it lost its edge. So you, you kind of, you know, you still had Piper's Pit on the other show. Yeah. So it was kind of tough for Jake to really measure up to what the other show was offering. So that's kind of why he probably Piper set the bar pretty high, and then other circumstances with Jake just kind of no disrespect to Jake, of course, like yeah. you said, but. Piper was so far ahead, and every single week was on, and you always wanted to see a Piper's Pit. Probably, the, probably two of the most memorable moments that, that that occurred on the Snake Pit. One that we've never, or I shouldn't say we've never seen before, because there's probably footage of it out there, but it never made it to air. Um, uh, was the first one was when Jake DDT'd Hulk Hogan on the Snake Pit, um, and they were trying to set up Hogan and Jake. In a rivalry, and the fans chanted DDT instead of chanting for Hogan. Um, so then that never made air. And then the other memorable moment that we that we've all seen as wrestling fans when it came to the Snake Pit was when Honky Tonk Man uh, blasted Jake the Snake with the guitar to set up their match for WrestleMania three. Yeah, and that that was huge. That we didn't expect that at all because Jake at the time was not an official face mm-hmm. so but he was getting over and the people were starting to like him because he does have that gift for gab so when hockey hit him that's a great feud plus you never really expected to see a nice heavy guitar that that didn't it didn't look gimmick to me but it uh, could yeah. have been but it did it sure looked like one one hell of a shot i, I heard it wasn't and he took I, it good too. and he took it and yeah. he just collapsed to yeah. the ground and it wasn't looking pretty for anybody jake has said that he attributed that shot to like the real start of like the serious injuries and having to rely on like pain medication i mean you know everyone's you know they're adults you make your own choices but he said that he said that was the the moment that attributed to like you know to hear the way the crowd reacted to after that hit i mean they were just like oh yeah and 
that the whole place went quiet after that. Because you didn't fell. see someone use a guitar before on on an individual as a weapon in wrestling. You had your standard, your chairs, and and maybe you know the tape brass knucks. But you know he used a real guitar, and there was just like a a very dense, thick sound to it when he hit him. It wasn't was- like. It wasn't very normal, like, you know, when a, when a wrestler uses a guitar and it, like, you know, like you said, it gets gimmicked or, you know, it, it, it breaks into a million pieces. This didn't. It was like one shot to the head and it was like this big hole in the guitar and the rest of the guitar was still in place. And would you say that that, that made the Honky Tonk Man become a more serious competitor? Because before that, he was just a laughing stock. He was a comedy act. But then, all of a sudden, it's a major headline feud. So. Yeah. That show, again, is, you know, it's one of the catapults. Whenever you have the wrestlers on there to do some attacking on something else, it's memorable. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly. Um, all right, we talked about, you know, the Snake Pit, the Flower Shop, Piper's Pit. Um, as the talk show format had evolved from the 80s heading into the 90s, you had talk shows like... The Funeral Parlor and The Barber Shop and Brother Love and The Brother Love Show. Um, and think look, of all those sets that you just talked about, you know, how you're fascinated with the way they set oh, up. Oh, yeah. The Funeral Parlor, this big you know, coffin in there and there's smoke coming everywhere. And Brother Love is the total evangelist style colors. And Oh, like, yeah. That, you know, the and the bar- music in the background. They didn't have music before. That's true. That's and he's the first too. one that had his little theme, so I loved it. I used Make sure Brother I had it. Yeah, I play it all the time yeah. when I was doing talking back you know, as a kid watching wrestling. I'd do my own talk show with that music. <laughs> Brother Bill? <laughs> it was something like that. <laughs> Did you paint your face red and you like get like a white suit? Or no. You... No? But, no. <laughs> I, I, I did not. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um... Yeah, I mean, the, the barbershop especially, like, you had the window and the barber chair, and then you had the shelf with, like, you know, all the barber necessities, the, the scissors and the shaving cream and all that other stuff, and, you know, the funeral parlor, another, uh, an, a, another cosmetically, you know, uh, the, co- cosmetically the, the funeral parlor had, you know, it, it you had no choice but to look at it because you had the caskets and the, the music and the lights and the smoke and everything. And Undertaker wasn't always on the funeral parlor. It was just Paul Bear. But every now and then with that big casket in the background standing up, you never knew if he was going to pop out. Um, but, yeah, I always enjoyed, like, just the way it looks. The Heartbreak Hotel, for instance, when Shawn Michaels had the Heartbreak Hotel for a little while, I always thought that was cool. Um, as, as cheesy as it was with that big heart-shaped bed and then the neon lights, this is the Heartbreak Hotel. I thought that was some pretty cool stuff. Um, and a lot of these things, when you go to the Mania Weekend, the Fan Fests and everything like that, I've only been in the funeral parlor. There's other sets that I would like to go into that yeah. they don't really set up. Yeah, that would be... yeah. They'll set be, up Hell in a Cell in a cage and you go in... But, Where's all these talk shows that they, we're talking about? They just did, um, I know last year, because I saw some pictures from uh, from uh, when Justin and Daryl went in New Orleans, uh, they um, they had a Piper's Pit set up with, like, the two stools and the table, and then they had, like, the old backdrop. But no Piper. But no, obviously no Piper, yeah. unfortunately. Um, we once sat in Vince's office. Yep. Right? Remember oh, that? Yeah. But that wasn't a talk show. No, that was but, that yeah. was his office though. Yeah, but oh. that'd be kind of cool to have that little setup. I know, like at some like you know, like uh, wrestling conventions, um, they do uh, beefcake 
We'll, yeah. we'll do a set. Someone built a like a replica barbershop setup. They and did that with Piper too. I know Piper. Yeah. I, oh yeah, that's right. I've seen pictures before. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about some of the more important talk show moments. Moments that um, really set the set the tone for um, certain storylines and events that had transpired and taken place in wrestling. Give me some memories of some of the more important moments that that really come at you when it comes to talk shows and wrestling. Well, every single talk show that you talk about has important moments, and I think Piper's bit had the most with everybody involved because, I mean, whether it be cutting the, the Haiti kid's hair or insulting Mr. T in Madison Square Garden, drawing pictures of him in a hospital bed <laughs> to make WrestleMania become what it was from that intense atmosphere in that February, there's a lot of uh, moments that stick out, and, and I think Piper created most of them. I think... Um, there are a few with the uh, Kevin Owens. Was it Jericho show when Kevin Owens was there and they did "This Is Your Life"? Was that that was? Yeah, that was. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. Yeah, that the, was the, in the the Jericho. Yeah, I think it was Jericho's uh, highlight reel or something. Think yeah. about that though. That, yeah. that that was that made up for all the lost years of not having impactful talk shows. Yeah, that was really a strong thing when he pulled the list out at the end after giving them all the accolades and he was on his own list. Yeah. That was great. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's probably one of the more recent ones that really like kind of reminded you of what like it some of those to be. It used to be exactly with those talk and shows. Getting over a few that went right into uh, I think it was Mania they went into. So yeah, was, and they were they were best friends and they played it off forever. I mean, it was a good setup and they really it, I felt like and I kind of said this on um, a recent episode that uh, I felt like their pairing was like a happy accident. They just kind of threw them together to see what was going to happen, and they both made it work to the point where they had no choice but to keep them together and continue to run with this, and they, you know, they played with everyone back and forth, you know, the, the, the their best friends, but then there's some tension, but yeah. then they're back to being best friends, and then they finally really, they, they really milked it for what it was worth, and like you said, the way it was done, the setup where he looked at his own list and was like, wait, why am I on this list? And then boom, that was when the big reveal took place that Owens, you know, had basically set him up the whole time. Um, that's I'm, you know, that's a good one, more recent memory. Um, obviously, you, you mentioned Piper's Pit hosting the majority of those moments. Um, one in particular, the setup for Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania 3, yep. um, which really brewed and developed on multiple editions of Piper's Pit um, and then culminated at the end when all the major players were under one roof on Piper's Pit. You go back to the, uh, the, the ceremony where Jack Tunney gave Hogan the trophy because he was the champ for three years and Andre came out to congratulate him but then just left very abruptly. And that was like the first sign of like the, the, the seeds of dissension between the two of them. And then the following week or the couple weeks later, Jesse the Body gets on Piper's pit and he's the one that's really stirring it up between Hogan and Andre. And eventually he, he reveals, he goes, you produce Hogan, I'll produce Andre next week here on Piper's pit. And Piper was like, you got it. And then when it all happened and Andre walked in with Bobby, the scene was set and everyone was just like, what? Like he's with him? And it, it the, the ball really got rolling, but it got rolling on Piper's pit. Now, would it have been as an impactful moment had it taken place just 
in the ring or in front of the curtain? Or do you think it had to take place on something like a Piper's Pit? It depends how it would be presented. I, because I've seen it on Piper's Pit, I find it hard to imagine that it could have worked any better anywhere else. Yeah. Other scenarios. Yeah. Okay, it certainly couldn't have been on a snake pit or anything. Yeah. Um, Piper, you know, the way he portrayed it every week, they, the disbelief at the end when he's sitting there with the belt and Hogan's in trying to hold his eyes bleeding and this come with me you know just the feeling of what just happened you yeah. know even piper was caught off guard by it according yeah. to the viewers so that's what's really got that going and then when he brought hogan out the week later and said do you agree to fight andre yes or no yeah. <laughs> and, 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 yeah and then the whole place went crazy. Yeah, that's that's you know, like you said, Piper's Pit being the the place for the majority of these these great moments and these important moments. But you know, that led us to WrestleMania, and of course, we all know what WrestleMania three was all about. And it basically put you know, it, it, it not only just put wrestling on the map, but it kept it there. You know, with the success of that show and the success of that storyline um, that sold that WrestleMania. Um, do you remember the last Piper's Pit that he had before he retired in that same WrestleMania, too? Did you ever see that? Was that the one where he, him and Adrian kind of mixed it up? Nope. That was, it was just him, the, the final week, going into Mania that weekend. And he stood on his table, and he just said, when I was well, I was hell, and thank you. And, you know, I'm, oh, and he yes. walked off. It was the last pit you thought. It actually put a tear in my little eye, because I thought that on Sunday, after Piper... Maybe gets his head shaved or not. He's leaving wrestling regardless because right. he's retiring. That was going to be it. I'm never going to see Piper's Pit again. I've been watching it forever. How do you live without Piper's Pit on a yeah, wrestling show? That's true. It was so sad. No, For you me. know what? The way they set it up was very well done, too. That's You know, I forgot about that until you just brought that up. But, the the you know, he puts the mic down on the table and he walks out and then the camera just pans to that oil painting of him in the background. Yeah. And the, and then they close out and they fade to black and go to commercial. And it was just, wow, that's, that's a pretty... For you to... And for you to be upset and then shed a few tears over that, that's that's a very impactful moment that a lot of people don't really discuss because, like you said, he was going to potentially get his head shaved if he lost Adrian Adonis at that WrestleMania, and he was also win, lose, or draw. He was done. He was done. So you felt like you were watching something monumental taking and, place. And when Piper talked, it was never not truthful. Yeah. He always stated facts. And yeah. you bought into every line that he said. So that's why whenever he was going to leave, you knew he was not coming back. Yeah. And he did hold his own, you know, that's two years almost before he came back for WrestleMania five with Morton Downey Jr. That's right. <laughs> WrestleMania five, Morton Downey Jr. And another individual who um, has one of the, the one of my favorite talk shows in all of wrestling, but the Brother Love show, uh, good old Bruce Pritchard. Um, that lasted a long time. Yeah. And that one was very good, too, because... As a youngster, I didn't understand the whole, you know, I love you and the, 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 the whole deal behind the character, but he made you hate him. And um, some of the more memorable moments in my childhood and all of wrestling took place on the Brother Love show. Um, earthquake, destroying Hulk Hogan um, and, and, and almost putting him out of commission. The big boss man handcuffing Hulk Hogan to the... the 
the the guardrail and beating him with the nightstick. Yeah. Um, that was before Rodney King yeah. and, and, and the and the and the LAPD oh, yeah. uh, were were were, uh, were a discussion in pop culture. That was just a few years later. But um, I'm trying to think. Some other great moments took place on the Brother Love show. Like uh, uh, one of the last Brother Love shows was him getting beat up in the ring by the Ultimate Warrior. Don't oh, worry, okay, dragged yes. him out, and that was the end of Brother Love. That's right. That was years later. That's yeah, <laughs> but um, oh, when uh, when Rick Martel blinded Jake with the arrogance on yeah. the Brother Love show, and Jake uh, Jake couldn't see, and then eventually they 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 resumed their issues on the Brother Love show, um, and Jake would end up getting a piece of Brother Love and giving him the DDT. Uh, that was some interesting stuff. The main event for SummerSlam. The first SummerSlam in 1988 took place, and they announced Jesse Ventura as the referee on the Brother Love show. That was another memorable moment. Uh, it seems like, from our discussion, the theme with the talk shows is that certain storylines took place on those talk shows. So Piper's Pit dealt with Piper's issue with Adonis and Hogan and Andre heading into WrestleMania three, but Brother Love's, you know, the the Brother Love show had multiple segments with Jake and Rick Martel heading into the WrestleMania 7. Dealt with Hogan and, you know, Savage against DiBiase and Andre heading into the SummerSlam. It feels like these talk shows were designed to elevate certain storylines and it wasn't necessarily universally across the board used to help other stories. Why do you think that's the case? Well, that's how it began as just a forum for a wrestler to have another wrestler on to interview. Mm -hmm. But eventually it became a segment in the show to deal with the top storyline. And even when the talk shows were done for a little while after the retirement, they did Mean Gene on a podium and they ran Mm -hmm. the key angle. And and the week before a pay-per-view, you always had one main eventer on one show and one main eventer of the other side on the other show mm-hmm. having their final go-home promos yep. for the main event. It was it was the focal point of every show. So what it became a you know a easy discussion for a wrestler to connect with the audience or start a feud personally between the host and somebody else or whatever it is became the, the headline uh, uh, promotion's main feature on their show, yep. the talk show, no matter what it was. Yeah. All right, all right, very cool, very cool. Um, trying to think, some other great. You know, we mentioned the funeral parlor earlier. Um, do you remember when the Undertaker locked the Ultimate Warrior in the casket? Who can forget that? And and even the segments after every week, they would show Warrior in the room locked up, and the snakes are all around him, yeah. and, and all these changes that he was going through, and so you know, they, everything had its own setup for what they were doing. It's, it was no longer just going out there and, and talking for two minutes. It Cutting was, a promo, It yeah. was making a storyline between individuals and building on it every week. They were help, yeah, they were helping facilitate that story. Um, there was another funeral parlor that was very memorable when uh, this was the official babyface turn for The Undertaker when Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake Roberts, took the casket and he slammed the casket door on undertaker's hand and locked the casket and then he beat him up and ddt paul bear and then the image of undertaker dragging this casket trying to go after jake um i remember as a kid thinking that was probably the coolest thing ever and (laughs) thinking that you know like zombie undertaker is gonna like destroy jake the snake and at the time i was a big macho man guy so i was pissed that jake 
had, you know, kind of did what he did to, to Macho Man. So seeing Undertaker kind of, I would say, stick up for Savage, but he had his own issues with Jake, um, take place on the funeral parlor. That was a lot of fun. And uh, even the buildup for his match with Hogan a couple months prior, yeah. when Flair got involved. Um, and then they did the run, they had the run in with Savage and Piper when Hogan was attacked on the, the funeral parlor. Um, yeah, that was the first time they really promoted Flair and Hogan. Yeah. It was on the funeral power with the belts. Yeah. And I think it was that the week that they did it, the uh, NWA championship was being held and it wasn't digitized. And then in, I remember watching the show a couple of days later, the same segment, they began digitizing the, the belt. I think. Yeah. There was a version out there where both of the belts were being held together. And that was big. I remember that. You I really do remember thought that. that he was a champion if you didn't know any better. Yeah. Because he really didn't lose it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you're no, you're you're exactly right. Um talk to me a little bit about we could we could talk about all right, we've talked about brother love, we've talked about funeral parlor, we've talked about um Piper's Pit. We'll get into the barber shop in a little bit, but let's talk about some of the, 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 the uh the uh the talk shows that didn't necessarily have sustainable runs. They were, you know, short spurts if you will um let's go with uh the danger zone paul paulie dangerously in the danger zone which didn't really have an elaborate production quality behind it it was just more or less like a curtain that said danger zone right it's in Um, a locker room there's nobody there there's no atmosphere every every segment that we saw for talk shows every week had audience yes and danger zone was just this is me, and I'm holding a phone, and I'm going to talk to somebody for two minutes. <laughs> I'm just doing an interview, but yeah. I'm calling it the Danger Zone because I'm hosting it. I'm Paul Heyman. So those types of talk shows didn't mean anything when it came to wrestling. And then there are some that were live that didn't mean anything either. I have Rio's Roundup. Remember Rio Rogers? Yeah. Now, you know, he's out there, and you, you know it's Brother Love in a Dusty Rhodes costume acting like this bull of the woods. And it's more about him instead of, you know, whoever he's interviewing. Yeah. So those are just trashy segments on the show that never really stood up, and they took it off the air fast because they realized it wasn't going to work. Pretty quickly, yeah. Um, there's a few others modern day that didn't really catch on, like Matt Stryker's classroom. I thought that was kind of silly. Um, some people may like it. Cosmetically, it looked good, but at the same time, I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, was Carlito's Cabana. Oh yeah, um, it was okay. It was all right, but it wasn't you know it wasn't what it used to be. Um, even like Edge and Christian had their own little segment, like you know the Cutting Edge and the Peep Show, respectively, uh, was just basically two guys in the middle of a ring with a carpet, and yeah. that was about it. Um, the Dude Love and the Love Shack that was like I think I think that was done um, not to be a regular thing. It was only like two or three episodes i think it was more or less about you know the story that he had at the time with steve austin um but now let's go back here to one that there's when you think of the barber shop you think of the one moment that took place on the barber shop that really kind of it, it got your attention in the same way that piper attacking snooka got the you know everyone's attention to piper's pit and i'm talking about when the rockers split and Michaels threw Janetti through the window of the barbershop. Well, you can see the hints, too, during the episode. You could tell that, you know, the rockers were having tension and they were not getting along. But then uh, Michaels 
is going to celebrate with him, raises his hand, the music's playing. Bam! Out of nowhere, that kick. And, of course, having a glass window, you don't know. You're watching, you kind of think that it's real because of the way he sold it and all that glass went shattered and they showed different angle where he went through it on the other side and it just looked spectacular. And from that day on, Shawn Michaels, he, he became one of the biggest headliners ever because that singles uh, thing with Sherry Martel, once he became on his own, he started winning championships, and he, he, we all know the story of Shawn Michaels yeah. at that point, but we that's where it began. That, yeah. Right there on the barbershop, yeah. One of the, one of the, I just watched this today before you came over to record, was uh, the, the build-up to WrestleMania eight when Beefcake had Sid on, and <laughs> Sid destroyed the barbershop, and as he was destroying the barbershop, he managed to get the shaving cream sprayed all over his face. The can exploded. Um, I thought that was rather silly, even as a kid and looking back on it now. Um, some people say, like, oh, it's pretty intimidating. And, 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 you know, because Sid is an intimidating looking guy, um, you know, the, 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 the image with the shaving cream on his face, I guess, could kind of people could, you know, would think that, you know, it's, it, that it's a, a, an intimidating visual and moment but at the same time it looked rather silly because i don't think it was meant to happen i think he was just meant to just destroy the barbershop um and be done with it but the funny thing about that was and i don't know if you remember this that i that really kind of contradicted sid as a character is that like he was in beefcake's face and he was like i'm gonna rearrange your face and then he he had him by the back of the hair and then he walked over grabbed the chair and destroyed the window but then didn't do anything to Beefcake. I just thought that was kind of stupid. Yeah, where did Beefcake go? He fled, right? He fled, yeah, he okay. bounced, and then Sid destroyed it, and then he cut a promo yelling at Hogan, and I believe that was the end of the barbershop um, because it had already been destroyed a couple of times yeah. between Michaels throwing Janetti through the window. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there was no more barbershop after that. Hogan was pretty much on the way out as well after yep. that mania. So when Hogan leaves, Beefcake always would follow. So yeah, that's true. That's probably why the barbershop was being written down. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point there. Um, seems like after the barbershop was kind of written off that um, talk shows weren't a regular thing. Um, in wrestling, or at least in WWE for that matter. Um, you saw the King's Court in 93, but it wasn't a weekly thing. Then eventually the Heartbreak Hotel um, in 94. Uh, that became a little more regular, um, but it, it wasn't as... It, to me, like growing up as a wrestling fan, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well, when you watched wrestling every single week, you got you were guaranteed to have some kind of talk show moment, whether it was wrestling challenge, superstars, whatever the case is. Um, it seemed like in '93, uh, at least for the WWF, they brought back the King's Court, but like I said, it wasn't a weekly thing that you had to look forward to. Why do you think that the talk show format just kind of uh, disappeared in, in, in wrestling? Well, like everything, it runs its course, and I think that. There was other ways to do things that they wanted to try instead of having the standard talk show in the standard time every single week on an episode. Uh, the older days used to promote the talk show next week on this edition of It's Gonna Be This One. They always promote it. Mm-hmm. Now it wasn't even a big deal. It was a surprise who would be the guest. It was just whatever happened in the show because there was no formats for the following week anymore. It was always just on the fly that week, whatever they do. 
Yeah. So without the build and the anticipation weekly, just became another moment on the show. And if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. It wasn't even a big deal. Yeah. So I think it was just better off to not even worry about it at that point. It run its course. And WCW, at least in 93 at the time, kind of adopted that format a little bit. Not as... Not as... Uh, as, as strong as the WWF did when they brought Flair for the gold um, with Ric Flair as the host. And I believe that was at the time when um, contractually he wasn't not allowed wrestle. he was not allowed to wrestle uh, because he was still, you know, he, he was working for WCW. He was allowed to appear on camera, but contractually he wasn't allowed to wrestle because of some deal with WWF. Or yeah, he, they let him out of his contract early because he wanted to leave, but they didn't want him in the ring for six months. Yeah. And uh, if you're going to talk about WCW and Flair for the Gold, you have to think of the most embarrassing talk show moment ever. I don't know if that was on your list. Oh, no, no, trust me. Okay, we'll get to that then. Yeah, we can can roll right into that because... because, um, Who does not know of what we're speaking of right now? If you don't know and you have not seen it... Yeah, yeah, you can you can search for it on WWE Network. It's there. Um, what what Bill is referring to is the debut of the Shockmaster. Um, you know, the, the for, for those of you that are unaware of what we're talking about, um, it was on an edition of Flair for the Gold at the Clash of the Champions in August of 1993, where. Sting and the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith were announcing their partner for the War Games match against uh, Harlem Heat and the Masters of the Power Bomb, Sid and Vader. And Ric Flair was the host, and he was facilitating the whole thing. And um, this uh, this this large man appeared through the or burst through the wall of the Flair for the Gold set, uh, but fell over. And his helmet fell off, and he got back up and put the helmet on. It was and a legit Stormtrooper aluminum foil style helmet. Yeah. Yeah, I, the story I heard was that, yeah, they bought like a like a Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet, and then they cut pantyhose, and they put the pantyhose over the eyes so that he was able to see, because the, because the helmet wasn't designed that way, and then they like glittered it and spray painted the shit out of it to... I have worn that helmet. You have? Yes, I have met... Fred Ottman and I actually had him for uh, autograph signing one time and he brought the gimmick and uh, there's a picture of me hanging out wearing the helmet with him <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool that's pretty cool I know that he's done like appearances as Shockmaster and Tugboat um, but um, I, I, I hear he's a good sport about it he sure is yeah I, you know we interviewed him on the Ken Reedy show um, before uh, hit the cell phone service on his phone cut out and the interview was cut short but the Shockmaster, you know, moment did come up, and he was, you know, he, he he had said, you know, that yes, it was embarrassing at the time, and he felt like, you know, his career was over. But it kind of ruined his career. It, it really did. did. It, everything that could have happened <clears throat> was not going to ever happen. But think about it, though. In 1993, at the time when the the cartoonish characters were starting to, they weren't getting over on WWF as well, and. The wrestling business was in a weird period in 93, 94. Do you really think if he hadn't fell over through that, you know, in that segment, that there was potential for the Shockmaster character to to, to have any kind of significant run in wrestling? No, he, he would go down with the Oz and, and uh, you know, uh, 
all the other bad gimmicks that WCW yeah. was producing that really didn't mean anything. They were laughable. Um, but that was Dusty. I think they had a relationship that Dusty is a family member. Du- I think Fred, I, they call him. Yeah, so. I think... Uh, I think Dusty had a sister. Yes, and uh, she the, that, was, that was married to him correct. at one point. Yeah, but I, his style too. I mean, what could he do in the ring? You have to be imposing in the ring, and he really didn't have that kind of, of wrestling style. To... He was just a big guy, you know. It moved around decent for his size, but you know, I didn't even know what a shockmaster was. You know what I mean? Like, what what was a shockmaster? He looked like a construction worker with a Star Wars helmet on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, he was, he shocked the world, all right. Yeah, oh, uh, I was shocked. You know it's you know it's interesting the 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 action figures that are out now yeah. they made a Shockmaster figure and they manufactured and designed it with like with with you know how when the action figures come in the manufacturer's packaging um, they're right side up yeah. they have him upside down upside with like down. a backdrop of a wall like bursting yeah, through the it. wall yeah I thought that was pretty funny what's even funnier is it's carried over even in the last couple of years Edge and Christian show did a feature that's with right him. I remember and he also if you remember the parody on Raw where they Santino yeah and he fell through the wall and he's with Shawn Michaels and they're looking and I mean it, it's something that just always will be forever funny yeah yeah and another I wouldn't say embarrassing moment but probably one of those like you know, wah, 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 kind of moments was uh, when Ric Flair announced that Paul Roma <laughs> was the fourth member of the Four Horsemen on an episode of Flair for the Gold. And it's back to WCW again. And what were they thinking, right? It's- yeah, not necessarily. The, <laughs> not necessarily that talk. I thought the talk show was solid. Yeah, like the, the the production quality with the set, and you know, Arn Anderson was like his, you know. As uh, the lackey, yeah, so he was like the lackey. Fifi kept cleaning the place down with the dust. Yeah, you know. Fifi was you know very OCD driven with, yeah. <laughs> with the with the 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 French fluff or whatever the fucking Fifi, gimmick was. Fifi obviously is uh, in today. If nobody knows who Fifi the maid was back then, uh, it's currently his wife now. His fifth wife. His fifth wife. Yeah, because fifth times the charm for Ric Flair. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a. Um, those were probably the more memorable segments of a talk show from WCW. Um, both not very good. Um, if you want to count when Eric Bischoff did that spoof of the Tonight Show in the lead up to the the match with Jay Leno, which we kind of discussed on our uh, the, the WrestleMania celebrities. Did they have canned episode? laughter on that? Episode? They did. Yeah, just yeah. like a real talk show. They did. It was yeah. I mean the the the. The, the thousands of dollars that they spent on making that set look almost identical to Jay Leno's Tonight Show, only for it to go nowhere, uh, was baffling. But that's just a sign that, you know, we've talked about, you know, in, even in the Celebrities episode, that WCW just didn't know how to do it Right. Correctly. Everything we're talking about with WCW is not over when it came to talk shows. Everything we're talking about WWF was uh, monumental yep. in getting things over the yeah. right way. So you know the the like you said the in the in the in the early nineties the, the the format was starting to change just in wrestling in general. Um, WWF was moving more into prime time with the debut of Monday Night Raw. They would have their syndicated programming still with Superstars and Wrestling Challenge and uh, I believe the Action Zone, uh, but you didn't see a whole lot of talk shows. Um, pop up with the exception of like i said the king's court and the heartbreak hotel and then um a number of years later um 
Chris Jericho would re- would revive the concept, so to speak, with the highlight reel. Um, what are your thoughts on on Jericho's highlight reel? I believe it was in two thousand and three. He he debuted the highlight reel. That's good, but nothing really stands out to me that is memorable from that, mm-hmm. other than you know that that set and his you know the way he his gift for gab, but. It was just turning into a normal segment for whatever they wanted to get over, and that's how they are today, to this day. Uh, and especially in the ring too, when you have you don't you're limited in what you could do inside of a ring. The old talk shows we always talk about the setups, and you know we had the, the wall and the flowers or the, the casket in there. Now it's just always in the ring or it's on the stage if it's going to be something to do over. Uh, you know, it's just chairs or whatever it is that they're doing. It's it's more designed just to to do the segment of the of the match for whatever it is in the program. That kind of goes along with my my our, our it kind of rolls into our next subject with the evolution of talk shows because, like you said, there would be even at that time in the early '90s when they would introduce the King's Court and the Heart the Heartbreak Hotel to a certain extent, some of that stuff would take place in the ring. And you wouldn't see an uh, an addition to the curtain area with a set. Um, sometimes the King's Court happened in the ring. Sometimes the Heartbreak Hotel happened in the ring. And then eventually, you know, because they were running smaller arenas, it was probably a case of they couldn't really, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of space to, to put this stuff out. But at the same time, it wasn't a very popular concept at that time in 1993, 1994 in wrestling. Um you even mentioned like Rio Rio's Roundup or whatever yeah, the fuck Rio's it was. Roundup. <laughs> yeah, Rio's Roundup, and there wasn't even a set there. It was just him, you know, in in the uh, you know on the on like the, the the side stage area, just interviewing people, and it really was just about himself. Um, well, I also think too that WWE was trying. We're talking, you know, going back into the '80s. Now they were trying to become mainstream and trying to connect with other people and other. That's where the TNT show came from. Is yeah. It, in 1984, I'm they glad actually, you brought that up. Talk, they, let's talk some more. Let's talk some TNT. Two hour Tuesday night Titans on Tuesday nights from eight to ten o'clock. Two hours of this no audience talk show. At least at first, it then turned into different styles and one hour version, and then mm-hmm. they brought in the, the studio audience. But it was just, you sit down with the wild Samoans and Vince would talk to somebody, you know, all of a sudden they're cooking in the corner for the whole episode, eating raw fish. So there was no, now. uh, They would just do segments. There was no matches, correct? They Uh, would air um, matches specifically during the interview segments or they would go to a mailbag segment or they would always, they would have different things to occupy the time because it was a two hour show. Mm-hmm. They'd have about four or five guests that would be in the studio Yeah, and they'd only talk to certain ones as long as they could. Some of them, if you're going to interview with Salvatore Balomo, it, it's going to be about four or five minutes. They're going to show a match. He's going to say another four or five words and he's going to go. But yeah. if it's going to be Roddy Piper, you're going to watch, it's going to be exciting and it's going to be joking and he's going to be, making fun of Alfred Hayes and slap him or whatever happens. Yeah. So everything was different. It was a go-with-the-flow type of show. It was pre-taped so they could do what they want and decide how to, you know, what what segments to air in the middle. And if they didn't have enough time, they would air a match. They would mm-hmm. put a whole match in there for that matter. So was Tuesday Night... Yeah, it's a great description of what Tuesday Night Titans was. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with that, you can find that show on the WWE Network in the vault section. Was Tuesday Night Titans a precursor to primetime wrestling? 
similar, but like not so much talk show ish. But it was more in studio when then then they would cut to matches yeah. that would take place. Okay, and then eventually it turned into some. I mean, primetime wrestling evolved into you know it was once just Gorilla and Bobby. Then it was a studio thing where they had like for a short period of time they were in a studio with an audience. Um, and they would, you know, show pre-tape matches and pre-tape promos, but then they would have special guests. That kind of had that talk show flair to it, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that there was an audience, and they would ask, you know, they would cut to someone asking a member of the audience a question about the certain guest that was on. Um, what did you ever consider primetime wrestling like a have that like talk show studio kind of feel, or did you just look at it as well, like? Look at what happened. Who was on that primetime wrestling most episodes? Bobby the Brain Heenan. And, and after a while, what happened? They got so crazy with him being on the show, they gave him the Bobby Heenan show. That's right. For, and the Bobby Heenan show, it only lasted four weeks, but the idea was to try and make this thing big and work and have him have his own variety show the last half hour of the, the program. What did you think of that, the Bobby Heenan show? It was funny, but it wasn't going to last forever. Yeah. I think after four episodes, that was all they needed. Really? Yeah. but I, I mean, I could have watched it again, but how, how long are you going to watch the Rosati sisters uh, stand there? Or Jameson. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it was... It had its moments, but you cannot do that every week. And it wasn't helping the wrestling product as well. So Yeah. And that's what WWE was supposed to promote, is wrestling the last half hour. Promote SummerSlam, I think, was the uh, key event going in in that time period. So they had a good thing with, um, I think it was Rick Rude and uh, Bobby Heenan. Was that, that wasn't during the Bobby Heenan show, though, but that was close because he got kicked off. Prime time for that brawl that they had in the studio. With Piper, and that's why Bobby had his own show because he was gonna get even. Because Piper was on that. Was or... they had a confrontation into different rooms? If you remember, or oh, it was the split screen when they had. Yeah. Was it the Halloween episode when when Monsoon was dressed up like Brother Love and Piper dressed up like Bobby Heenan or something? That or was no? that was a different episode. Oh, okay, I'm trying. But to I know think. that before SummerSlam they were keeping them in separate rooms, and then Piper threatened to go in that room and knock his brock off. And then all of a sudden he got up, and they had a confrontation in front of each other, and that that led to a matchup after. Okay, all right, very right. very cool, very cool. That, I, <laughs> no, honestly, I didn't remember that, and I'm glad you brought up. Well, like, he got he got banned from the show, I think Heenan, so he had his own. That's show. how they set up the yeah. Bobby Heenan show. Okay, I heard that behind the scenes, the reason why they did the Bobby Heenan show. Um, Vince thought it would be a great idea because Bobby was such a, a great talker that he just threw the Bobby Heenan show out there in the air and USA Network called him and was like, what happened to primetime wrestling? And they were like, oh no, this is a part of primetime wrestling. We're going to dedicate the last hour of it to the Bobby Heenan show. And they were not too thrilled with it, but they they let it go on for as long as they did. Like you said, four weeks and eventually it was, it, it was cut short, but um, I'm glad you brought up the Tuesday night Titan stuff. Cause I completely forgot about that. If anything, that's the real precursor to, exactly. to, to everything when it comes to victory magazine and Piper's pit and all the other stuff. It was a way to get to know the wrestlers personalities. And every week they would have something. They'd, they'd go out back and, you know, blackjack ball and have a barbecue in the parking lot or, or what i think that was the funks actually that had a barbecue. okay they you know they'd always uh the butt of jokes would be alfred hayes of course or you know if, if nikolai volkoff is there they do something with him or does she could bring his camel in but every week <laughs> you never knew what was going to happen on the tnt show did it really uh it just got the characters over in wrestling but that's about it it wasn't mm-hmm. It wasn't a show to, to really escalate anything. It was kind of more like a filler. Yep. 
And uh, that that was Vince just thinking outside the box, and with, it all came from the talk shows. It all came from getting the personalities over. And what better way for them to do it than to just sit down in their studio audience, in their studio office, and just bring the wrestlers and discuss things. They tried. Yeah. They tried to do their old talk. That's show. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, do you think something like that could survive in today's wrestling, considering all the content that WWE has on their network? I think it's going to uh, maybe with the new Fox deal, mm-hmm. with the extra uh, time slots that they might want to fill. By you know when they lost UFC, they they given up a lot of programming time. There's a possible news form type of show where they could actually put in a guest, and mm. it's not a talk show. But if they sit in a guest for a half hour and talk, you know about things, we've seen it. Yeah, you, know? you see it uh, on WWE Network when they have the podcast. They have the Steve Austin show. Yeah, they they have their it's. I don't think as far as, you know, a monologue and sitting down and uh, having a live form for a talk show, that style's not going to work. Yeah. But as far as getting a person over and sitting them in a studio and talk to them for a half hour on a set, I think it works. So you don't think that if they were to try to revive the talk show concept and make it a more regular thing in WWE that it would that that it could work? It's wrestling and uh, the view of it is it's it's all phony and the f- the perception of it wouldn't be for real. When you see a talk show on TV, you got star actors, you've got scenarios, you've got things, and, and they're making news. It's about important stuff. Wrestling would be kind of hokey. Okay. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, it could be done, though. I mean, if you want to... Let's let's use, like, a serious approach. Let's, let's put Ronda Rousey on one or, or, or Becky Lynch, and they want to sit down and talk to her on a talk show. They can make something big out of it, but the wrong person's not going to make it work. Okay. You know, you got to have the right people that could speak to make it interesting. Like nowadays, you have like you know the the moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss, and that seems to. Um, I like I like how they're not putting it in the center of the ring, and they kind of have it up by the entrance ramp, and they're using like the LED boards as a part of the set. Like, I think they don't want the the audience's reactions in the background to that moment of time. That yeah, using. I'm sure that the, I'm sure that that's got a part in it. Because I'm I, sure a lot of people would be dumbing down in the background. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, I get that, and I, I agree with you for the most part. I, I, but I just find it interesting that they kind of currently with that show they've gone back to, you know, it being closer to the curtain instead of like dead center in the middle of the ring. Because I always thought the dead center in the middle of the ring talk shows just weren't good, right. and maybe that's because cosmetically I enjoyed the backdrop of what these talk shows looked like, like Piper's Pit, Heartbreak Hotel, Brother Love, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Kevin Owens' show that's, you know, we, we talked about that Festival of Friendship with Jericho, but Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn had a little talk show thing for a while, mm-hmm. and um, they primarily did a few of those segments in the ring, but I remember, too, that they also kind of took some of the um, the the old school element of the talk show and they had it like off to the side of the stage um and they created like a little banner in the background in there in a very kevin owens sammy Zayn kind of manner but at the same time paying homage to the old style of a talk show um all right give me your give me you gave us the worst the worst, the worst moment was the shock master in your mind correct yes what is the best moment in talk show wrestling history? Oh, that's insane. I mean, you probably already talked about it, I think, already, because it was Hogan Andre. Hogan Andre? Because okay. it, it, it built to the biggest match in the business's history at that time. It was They, they said, and they got all their key points across. 15 years, 
even though some people knew that Hogan fought Andre in the past yeah. and it, things had happened. Chase Stadium. But it was promoted so well, undefeated, and, and everything happened on Piper's Pit on a weekly thing. You could not understand what was going to go on until you watched Piper's Pit, and then you got the shock. You're like, wow, I can't, I can't believe he turned on him. And, you know, and everybody was involved. This is Jesse was in there. And Jesse was an announcer. And yeah. He was, he was he was being smart about it because he was he knew from the inside what was going on and, and taunting Hogan about it and you know bring him and so that was the key angle I think and the most impactful moment in talk show wrestling history. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I, I would probably have to agree with you that that's the, the 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 best talk show moment. Here's another question for you. Final question. No more questions here. Um, <laughs> I asked you earlier, had Piper not cracked Snuka with the coconut, had Piper's pit would have been successful. Had Piper not smacked Snuka with the coconut, had we have seen other incarnations of the talk show concept in wrestling? Do you think do you think if, if, if that didn't happen, they would continue with the talk show format? Or do yeah. You, yeah? Because Piper had a good gift for Gap. And... I well, I'm just talking about for other talk shows, not for Piper's Pit itself. Yeah, because it's, something would have happened. It, there's always a way that something's going to happen to change the course. Mm-hmm. So, and I think every week they would not, they're not going to give up on, the, on that topic. Because yeah. they did try other wrestlers after that anyways. They did some other segments. So there's always going to be something. Especially at the, the one-hour show. They built it to, to have key angles out of. And you got to have different setups sometimes to do it. Okay. All right. I lied. <laughs> Another question. Okay. Um, who in today's wrestling could you picture with a talk show style uh, concept that's wow. tailor made for their character? <laughs> you know, there's so many good ones that we've seen. It's so hard to pinpoint now. As to you got to have the quick wit, mm-hmm. and uh, I really can't put a finger on anybody anymore because the the product now is is based on work and mm-hmm. ring and, and doing that kind of stuff. And it doesn't seem like there's there's good personalities out there that, that really talk a lot. If you want to have Paul Heyman bring the Danger Zone back, you could, but he's more of a mouthpiece for Brock Lesnar. He could do it. Yeah. If they created him and not had Brock anymore, Brock goes to UFC or whatever, and Heyman's on the shelf for a little while, they could do it with him. They mm-hmm. could have him as a serious host to bring out some important stuff. Okay. So he's the one guy because of the way he talks. And uh, I, I always like Jim Cornette. I mean, yeah. He's he's not going to do anything like that nowadays. Oh but, God, uh, no! But he could do it. Yeah, he could have a Louisville Slugger. And remember that segment in WCW. Yes, NWA. yes, I do. I do remember <laughs> that. It was very very memorable stuff. If I'm going to go with one person in wrestling, I mean, aside from Paul Heyman, um, I think I I think Bray Wyatt could possibly be someone that could do a very dark, sinister kind of talk show segment, um, you know, similar to what Jake did with the Snake Pit and Undertaker and Paul Bearer with the Funeral Parlor. Um, I think that's something that maybe for him um, and his character could really set him apart from everyone else. Not that he isn't set apart from everyone else because he's got a very unique look, his character... Um, even though they've really done nothing with him for a long time. Um, maybe that's something that could really get him over the hump or get him back up on the rise, so to speak. Well, Broken Matt Hardy would be good, too, because that's there's a no- so okay. many different things. That's that a good one, bring. too. I didn't even think of that. And he's so outside the box with thought that he can make every week different. 
That's interesting too. Now, let me ask you something. If they were to do the uh, like a broken Matt Hardy talk show kind of segment, would it be would it be better in front of a live audience or would it be better pre-taped produced with all the magic and all the the hocus pocus that I they I want to see Vanguard one. I want to see all that stuff at the house. I want to see Senior Benjamin with his rake at the lake. And okay. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I want to see. It's just like the special hat on the network. I want to see that kind of uh out-of-the-box cameo appearance by somebody you don't expect. So it, I think that would be something that would be nice to see. I just keep lying to you because every time we're talking, like question, I got another you? question. Yeah. Of course you do. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> um, That's why I'm here. Is there, there's, there's other reasons why you're here as well. But um, the um, has, there, has there ever been someone in your mind that you thought back then, aside from all the ones we've discussed, that you thought could have done something within the talk show realm in wrestling that just did, that didn't? Uh, not really. I mean, Jesse Ventura was uh, a good, but I think it would have been more of a political style thing mm-hmm. instead of the wrestling because he didn't really have that kind of... I, I can't see him having an interesting wrestling talk show, but I think that on his own, if he was hosting his own live show that it would be great and mm-hmm. i don't know if he actually did anything like that i certainly didn't see anything I've, I've seen his conspiracy theory and stuff like that shows that he used to do yeah i've never seen him sit down and interview somebody yeah so i think that he would be one of those guys because it you know back when he was doing it he was very very keen to everything and you believed in him that's how he became governor people believed in what he was doing so yeah i think that he could have really brought a lot of strength to talking if there's one person that i as a and I thought this was going to take place as a kid when Macho Man was forced to retire after losing to Ultimate Warrior and they put him in commentary. I thought they were going to do some kind of talk show with him. Like, um, like I mean, it didn't necessarily have to have a theme to it. You could have put just a backdrop with all the wild colors yeah. and the designs and the scheme, and it, you didn't really have to have like a theme. Like, it's a certain place. It would just be. An interview segment that the Macho Man hosted. That's where I kind of thought they were going to go with him as a kid. Like, oh, he'll probably do a talk show now because all the other retired wrestlers well, do talk shows. Well, they did do shows. a lot of interviews with Savage on the shows. He was yep. there holding the mic, but they never once made it into anything that was noteworthy. He was just an interviewer. Yeah. I think- did a lot of backstage stuff on Saturday Night's Main Event. The color commentary with Vince and Piper on Superstars. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff is... And I think because he was used for so many interviews, they couldn't just devote one segment to him because then now he's doing an interview after he just had his own segment, but it's the same thing. So why would you do it? That's a good point. I think we've we've covered it all. The good, the bad, the ugly, the the haves and have-nots, and, you know, thank you for... uh, for, for, for lending a hand with this segment. I was, you know, for the show, I should say, I was really looking forward to talking about talk shows and uh, you, you, you did it some justice with stuff that I didn't even know. So I appreciate you coming on. All right. Well, thanks for having me again. And it's always a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine, Bill. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much once again. And thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Kicking Out It 2 this week. 
Don't forget to vote in the poll over on Facebook and Twitter. Do you want to watch Capital Combat 1990 or do you want to watch Flair Steamboat from Wrestle War 89? Vote in the poll on Facebook and on Twitter this week. Poll ends Tuesday, May the 7th. And next week, May the 8th, Wednesday, May the 8th, my brother Daryl Rosenbluth joins me as we sit down and we discuss some of the greats, the all-time greats in professional wrestling history to have made it onto the silver screen. That's right, the big time, Hollywood, the movies. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think you're going to next week. Daryl and I, we sit down, we compiled a list, and we discussed some, not all, because we're probably going to do a two-parter, but this is... I guess you could call this part one of squared circle cinemas where we're going to discuss some of the greats in wrestling history and their roles in these particular movies. Hulk Hogan, Kerry Von Erich, uh, Terry Funk, uh, The Rock. We're going to run down the list, if you will, and give you our official star ratings. Not a Dave Meltzer star rating, but our star ratings on their performances as these characters in these particular movies. So be on the lookout next week for Squared Circle Cinemas. And don't forget this Saturday, marking out the days, Weekend Warriors covering WCW Saturday Night and WWF Superstars from 1992. Kobe Knight and I from the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network have been having fun taking this nostalgic trip down professional wrestling memory lane when Saturdays were just for wrestling. That's right. Saturdays were all about wrestling, at least when I grew up. So, uh, you know, I think you guys who grew up watching wrestling on Saturdays are going to have a lot of fun checking this out when we discuss WCW Saturday night and WWF superstars marking out the days weekend warriors. And you know what? I think it's time that this weekend warrior puts the show down for the three count. So we will see you all next week.